I'll read from Colossians 1, verses 9 through 14. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. Now, the text in Colossians, and I think Colossians is probably... Uh, one of Paul's most majestic books. It's just beautiful. And yet, it's really hard sometimes to carve a little piece of it out to speak about because it just goes on and on and on from one thought to the next without uh, any visible period. And so you get lots of commas and semicolons, but very few periods in Paul's letter to the Colossians. And so what I chose to read here, uh, these uh, six verses... I could have easily begun at verse 1 to get you up to where what I read. But, uh, and actually, all of this is really just for one word. I'm going to focus on one word at the end. And uh, our text is Colossians 1, 9 through 14, but the title of this message is Qualified. And starting in verse 9, I want to begin with, For this reason, since the day we heard, we pray for you. So Paul is with Timothy, and he's writing a letter to the believers in Colossae. And Epaphras, who is referenced here in the beginning, has obviously been with them and has brought word to Paul and Timothy about what's been going on there. And so Paul and Timothy are probably somewhat relieved. They're pleased. Uh, The believers in Colossians are very devout, and they're doing good works. And so I want to focus on verses 9 through 14, And so let me just read snippets of it instead of rereading the whole thing because the snippets will allow me to focus your mind on specific words I want you to uh, pay attention to. So beginning of verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard it, we do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will. May be filled with the knowledge of God's will. That you may be filled with wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk in worthy obedience, fully pleasing God, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might for patience and long-suffering with joy. See, I've read extracts of that, but all of what Paul prayed was for the future. That's what I want you to remember. May be filled, may be filled, that you may walk, being fruitful. All of this he's praying for them is for the future. And then, verse 12, he says, giving thanks to the Father who has. Now he goes back. He's back to past tense now. Who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. He has conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, forgiveness of sins. This is so important. I mean, this is really, really one of the most important things that you must understand about Scripture. There are tenses, past, present, and future, and they have a fundamental meaning meaning to you. So see, 
For what did Paul and Timothy pray for them? All these fruits of the Spirit, filled with the knowledge of God's will, may be filled with wisdom and understanding, walk in worthy obedience. All of these things that we manifest, God fills us with it, yes, but then we're empowered and we go about doing these things. For what did he give thanks to God? Qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance, delivery, conveyance, redemption, forgiveness. So you see, Paul has separated the two things. What is in the past is what God has done that has nothing to do with what he's now doing. And I want you to really remember this because, see, what he wants to happen is good conduct. What he states has happened is that they stand righteous before God. They're totally unrelated. Nothing that you did in the past week disqualifies you from this table. You could have killed somebody and buried their body in your backyard. It does not disqualify you from this table. Sin does not disqualify you. I have so many people that I talk to that have that fundamental misunderstanding about the table. They come here and they think, boy, you know, I feel guilty partaking of the table today. I sinned this week. So last week you didn't feel guilty because you didn't sin, apparently. Yeah, pretty much that's how it works. You see how twisted that understanding is of the table. That table is there to minister to us because we sin. It's not because we didn't sin. So that's what I wanted to focus on for this one. Some of these communion meditations come at me, and I have just one. Like today, I have just one. I didn't even remember I was going to do one uh, when I had last week's, or maybe I would have done a, a series. But yet, I want you to not forget the fundamental meaning of this table. It ministers to us sinners. And you're never, never, ever righteous enough to partake of that based on your works. It's because God has qualified you before him that you were able to partake of that table. So never think you've earned the right to go there. You haven't. Christ did for us on our behalf. So now, qualified is a word that is used a lot in sports. They have these qualification runs. There is the the uh, semifinals and the quarterfinals and the finals and all that. And in each of those races, it is only those that are qualified to run that run. Everybody else is excluded. So see, that I think can lead us to appropriate that term of qualify and think that's what's being talked about here. And it is in a sense, because it's only the qualified that get to be there. And that's what this is about. It's about being qualified to be here. But yet, then they go on to run, to compete. But they're competing for some prize, some reward. But what is our competition? We compete too. Paul even told us that. We compete for a prize even. But yet, it's not salvation. That already came to us. What we compete for is what? What is it that we're competing for? that Paul referred to as the prize. That's a tough one, isn't it? We know it's not salvation. Can it be sanctification? Well, why am I competing with other people for sanctification? 
Who is qualified? Us. It is the Father who has qualified us. Who performed the qualifying? The Father who has qualified us. What does qualifying result in? To be partakers of the inheritance. And what does qualifying consist of? Deliverance from sin. So all of the aspects of the qualification revolve around our right standing with God. The race, anything that comes beyond that is entirely unrelated to qualification. So I just don't want anybody to ever get... Anybody that's here now, I don't want to ever be confused again about the meaning of this Lord's table. Uh, You didn't earn it. You can't earn it. And if you partake of it, it's only by the grace of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on our behalf. So when we come to this table... That's what we are thanking God for, for the fact that he has qualified us. We can consider him making us worthy. That's true in a sense because we have imputed righteousness, but it isn't based on anything we've done. It's only based on what God has done. So let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your work that is laid up uh, for us, uh, applied to our account We feel so bad for people who feel that they must earn your love each day and lose a piece of it with each sin that they commit. This is not Christianity. So we pray, Lord, that you would awaken within us an understanding of just how amazing your love for us is. That despite having been sinners and in many ways remaining in sin, you have freed us from all of that, to focus on living for you. We are not competing for your love. And so, Father, I pray that you would uh, have everyone here that experiences the guilt, the ongoing guilt of sin based on conduct, to remember that when we come to this table, it is being cast aside, but at the foot of the cross, where, uh, where the sin is, is, uh, is covered in blood, and that only being Christ's blood. We thank you now, Father, for this opportunity we have to come before you and acknowledge this amazing love. In his name we pray. Amen.